This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by Avian Canes. Because if you can't kill someone with your cane, what's even the point? Under the outdoor with the steamboats, ancient goblins and wild lows. Come at the grand light making a sound. The smell of death is on the rail. Hello, my name is Chris. My name is Kelsey. And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. And it's a double feature on Pod Cemetery. The late night double feature picture show. With 1982's The House on Sorority Row and its 2009 remake simply titled Sorority Row. Getting right into our first movie, 1982's House on Sorority Row, written and directed by Mark Rosman with additional dialogue by Bobby Fine, starring Kate McNeil, Eileen Davidson, and Harley Jane Kozak. What is The House on Sorority Row about? A group of sorority girls are graduating and decide to have their graduation party at their sorority house, even though their sorority house mother does not want them to stay. And because of that, they end up pulling a prank on her, and that goes poorly, and someone is unhappy about it. If there's ever a prank at the beginning of a horror movie or game, we're just replaying Until Dawn again. <laughs> Uh, and that one starts with a prank gone wrong, too. Yes. Like, it's just, it's always, they always go wrong. And what was the first one that was like that? Was it Terror Train? That is in Terror Train. Are you, but is there one before that? Yeah. I'm sure there is. Maybe I can look that up. And if I find it, it will be on Twitter and you will hear me talking about this right now. But if I don't find it, it will be edited out. Hmm. At Pod Cemetery. I mean, they say carry, but not really. That's, I mean, I, I guess the pig's blood kind of, but that that's not like the That's instigator. at the end of the movie. Yeah. Uh-huh. What was the one with the kids at the abandoned place? My Bloody Valentine? No. The kids lure her into... An abandoned building and scare her until she falls out of a window. Is that prom night? What year is prom night? 1980. Terror Train is probably also 1980. It's 1980 as well, I think. So we don't know. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, so it's a horror movie that starts off with a prank gone wrong and then shit goes down after that. The movie is available with ads on Roku, Tubi, and Popcorn Flicks, or with a subscription to Hoopla. You can rent it for as low as $3 if you're fine with the standard definition version, or you can buy it for as low as 6 Although, for some reason on Vudu, it's seven fifty, which is weird. I've never seen fractions of dollars on a streaming service before, but mm. whatever. Should people watch The House on Sorority Row? Tough question, I know. Ah, you know what, guys? I'm a big 80s slasher fan. Like, a big one. 
And I'm going to say you could easily skip this one. I think this is a fine movie to watch with commercials. <laughs> if you want to watch it for free on, on Roku or Tubi or Popcorn Flicks. Because then it's free. You know, watch it on an afternoon. It's like, it's not scary. Nope. It's not thrilling. Nope. It has a twist, I guess, that is incredibly obvious that they're trying to keep as a twist. But it's not really a twist. It is. It's absolutely manufactured to be a twist, and we'll get into it. But... It's leading you to think one thing, or at least trying to, and then (laughs) revealing that, no, that's not the case. This thing that you didn't know is actually the case, and it's like, no, I know. It's very obvious. It is. That's what I'm saying. But it's obviously structured in such a way. Well, we'll get into it when we actually start talking about the movie. I'm not going to spoil anything yet. But, yes, there's a twist that's a terrible twist because it's very, very obvious what they're trying to do. I I was writing that note down until very, very close to the end. I was like, oh, this is interesting, and why didn't they do more of this? Like, all of a sudden, I was absolutely mesmerized. But I agree. You could skip it. It's not... And I know there's kind of like a cult following for this movie a little bit. I hope we're not stepping... I I know we're not stepping into Return of the Living Dead territory here, but it had... Like, more people like it than liked it when it came out. Like, you know, like it... I... But, like, I I have seen a lot of 80s slashers and there's just... There's so much better out there. This is... This is by the book. This is dull. This is... Nothing unique, nothing stands out. I know exactly what Chris is talking about when he says the ending, but we've seen that in other things, too. I know, but it's cool in this one, and it did work. People like to shit on Prom Night, and I think Prom Night is fun and unique and has weird little bits of fun yes. like so another we were just talking about it earlier another Jamie Lee Curtis joint Terror Train <laughs> oh my god I love Terror Train so good yes you know what's another bad 80s slasher but even it has some moments New Year's Evil yes New Year's Evil is not good but, but even it has, it moments. has weird ass shit in it uh-huh. it's a lot of fun Listen, if you're not going to be really good, be really weird. I think that's what you need to take from this. And this movie is neither. Yeah. If you want to watch a movie about sorority sisters in danger with an interesting house mother, watch Black Christmas. That's a much better sorority. The original Black Christmas. Let me be clear. We have seen three Black Christmases. And the first one is the only good one. Yes, it's true. And it's so good. And it... It's one of our favorite slasher movies. Yes. Because that one is legitimately creepy. That one is a legitimately interesting story. Uh, and it's a progenitor for all these other Yes, it's one movies. of the very first ones ever. Like, you know, it is very, very good. And this... is not that. It's not bad, though. That's the thing. It's not bad. It's just run-of-the-mill. Yeah, it's kind of... eh. paint-by-numbers. There there isn't even, like, a 
you know, like, as bad as some slashers are that we've seen, mm-hmm. they're, like, all of them kind of have they're something interesting in about some them. way, like a graduation day. Yes. Or, um, Slaughter High. Slaughter High. That's the one I was trying to think of. Slaughter High. Like, they're not good movies. No. But they're still kind of fun to watch. They have, like, moments of just, like, what was that? And and it was great is what it was. But this doesn't have It just feels a little uninspired. Very. And, like, again, it's not bad. It's just fine. It's just not good. It's one that, okay, it's one that both Chris and I have seen before this. Yes. And both of us had trouble remembering it. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, That should tell you something. Mm Mm-hmm. Or, better yet, if you have a Prime subscription, just watch the Riff Tracks version of it. You can watch it for free, you get the whole thing, and you get the MST3K guys commenting over the top of it. Like, that's a good reason to watch it, I would say. Did you watch the whole thing? I did. Was it funny? Yeah. I mean, it was a Riff Tracks. It's basically Mystery Science Theater 3000, but with whatever movies they want. Mm -hmm. And since, I guess, Prime has a license to both of them, they put them together and, yeah, there you go. That's fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You could take our advice or leave it. When we get back, we will talk about 1982's The House on Sorority Row. A certain kind of girl joins Pi Theta Sorority. A girl who likes to party and likes to get close to her friends. A girl whose extracurricular activities were more daring than most. A girl who could turn her fantasies into reality. One more fling won't set us back any. Don't you realize what we've done? It was an accident! That doesn't matter! Then again, Pi Theta was different from other sororities. I'll get back at you the last thing I do! Because in this sorority, nothing is off limits. As long as it's fun for the girls. So when it came time to say goodbye, they decided to make real sure that no one would ever forget the girls in the house on Sorority Row. All right, Kelsey, get us started. How does the house on Sorority Row begin? June 1961. June 19th, 1961. Ah, yes, that is important, guys. That's going to be important for... Kind of. Well... The date is important because if it weren't for that date, none of this would have happened. I know, but it's not like it's not like June nineteenth is a is a plot point. They bring it up one more like well, no, you're right. You're right. You're right, actually, because it actually is pretty important. Because that's the day that she closes the school. It's at the end of the school year. She closes it that day every year. I was just thinking it shows up in that birthday card. No. But it does. Yes. But, but that, no, that's not all that there is to it. June 19th is also Juneteenth, which celebrates the emancipation of the slaves in the United States. But that is not a factor in this movie at all. Is there a single black person in the movie? I don't, I don't think there is. No. Not one single black person in the entire movie. No. Or any person of color whatsoever. No. No. There are zero people <laughs> of color in 
this film. <laughs> it's a very white movie. <laughs> it's extremely white. Wow. <laughs> Listen, it's 1982. Movie's a little bit older than I am. <laughs> anyway, this woman is in this terribly painful labor. Uh, um, you missed the key detail to all of this. This entire scene is in oh. black and blue. Yes, it's very blue. It's like what they did to silent films to tell you that you were outside and not inside. They changed the color grading on the film like they dye the whole strip blue or like it yellow if it was inside so you could tell the difference. This is the entire thing is blue, but apparently it was filmed for black and white and the production company forced the blue on them. Why? I don't because they thought it wouldn't work. They, it needed a pop of color or something. I don't know. Instead, it just looks weird. Yeah, I wrote this is way too long to be tinted blue like this the entire time. Mm-hmm. It is way too long. It cuts to different times. It jumps from when the doctor gets there to after the birth is done. Like it's it goes on for more than one shot, and that's too long. But so she's in this horrific labor, and this doctor does this horrific C-section. Yeah, we see the scalpel go to her belly. And we also saw that he, like, did it over a, over a flame. Well, he, yeah, he got it hot. Ca- to cauterize it, right? Well, that's, you cauterize a wound, hopefully, but it allows you to cut cleaner. Potentially be more painful. Yeah, well, or maybe it Less sears off the nerve endings. I don't know. Hmm. But he does say she's the last one. She's the last one. Yes, that is important. Then he says, when she says, my baby, and he says, I'm sorry. She screams, no. No. And then that's the end of. And I guess you're supposed scene. to think that he died. He doesn't die. That's the twist. <laughs> the twist is, is that he didn't die. He's just deformed. And he might eventually become psychotic. Well, okay. You say deformed. We have absolutely no idea. He looks right at the camera. We know what he looks like. We do? Yes. Can I see him? I literally never saw his face. When he kills the doctor, and then she looks over the railing and sees the dead doctor, he's standing there and he turns back and he looks at her. Okay, so that's all it was that he's just deformed? So the entire premise is that the doctor was doing untested... IVF, I guess. This movie is like very anti-assisted birth, like sort of assisted pregnancy sort of thing. I don't know why, but it gives off that vibe. But he was doing it real under the table. And then I guess these births were not viable in all these other cases, except for this woman's. And in this case, it survived, but it was deformed and he was worried it might be psychotic. It has a low level of intelligence, all of that. And so what's happening is the boy is kept at the hospital for nine months out of the year. And then when the school closes, she takes him home with her and leaves him in the attic so she can spend time with her son. And every time the doctor mentions the patient, he takes great pains to never say a name or or a gender. 
always says the patient, even though when he is very clearly talking about the house mom, he will call her by name and he will say her gender. And it's like, that's what I'm saying. It's very obvious what they're trying to do. They're trying to get you to think that all of his comments about who the killer might be are referring to the house mom when they're actually referring to her son who really did live. Yeah, which is completely impossible because they saw her die and then they tied her up in towels and then they threw her in a pool. They tied her up in towels really, really weakly and she got out, but nobody's calling them on it. So they just assumed she survived, crawled somewhere and then died. But then when people start dying, they're like, oh my God, no, she's alive and she's killing us now. She is one strong old lady that needed a cane. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the whole movie goes by. Until the last act, when they finally say, no, it's the son, and they show you the dead house mother again. So it's like a big reveal. Because our main character thought that who was going to be in that in that wrapped up thing at the end, when they're at the, the cemetery, was going to be one of her friends, because they never found her body. And was like, oh, it's her, I should have looked, I never looked, we just touched it and it moved and we all freaked out. It was actually our friend who was missing at that time. And then at the end of the movie, they reveal, nope, she was dead the whole time. When you thought you killed her, you killed her. Like, that's that's the big twist in this movie. And it is so strongly telegraphed yeah. the entire time that that twist is coming. It is not well done. No. Not so anyway, well concealed. So the baby didn't die. But anyway, we jump forward in time 20 years. I think this takes place in... 81? 81. That makes sense. Or maybe shortly after. No, I guess it might be 21 years because they're graduating. Four-year college. If you're 17. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it probably is 82. Mm-hmm. What do we, who do we meet? We meet our graduating sorority sisters. We are first introduced to all of them when they are taking their pictures. And then we get a more intimate view of our main character named... Catherine, or Katie. Who does not have any plans for her future, doesn't know what she wants to do. Mm -hmm. This is Kate McNeil. But she gets convinced by... Vicky. Vicky, the head sorority sister, to stay and help put on the graduating party, which I'm surprised her mother would let her do. Based on the interaction that we get here. We get one interaction with her mom, and it's stupid and pointless. Yes, absolutely. It has no effect, has no effect on the movie whatsoever. All it does is make you question, like, why would this mom let her stay? I guess we're supposed to think, oh, she just made the other decision. She wouldn't be involved in any of this. Mm. But anyway, Vicky is very much a Chris from Carrie. Yeah. I, like, I remember when we watched it and she's like yelling at everyone at one point, we got to get back at her. We got to do something. And I'm like, shut up, Chris. Mm -hmm. You're like, yep, that's exactly what I was thinking. Mm -hmm. Well, there's been a million times that bitch has screwed us all over. You can't let her get away with it this time, right? Shut up, Chris. Just shut up. We should mention the sound editing. Oh, yeah. It is I was terrible. worried that it was us. <laughs> because like... The Foley, specifically, is incredibly echoey, mm -hmm. to the point where when she's walking with her cane, <laughs> it's not just a tap or even a 
tap with a slight echo. It's like tap, 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 tap. Like it's separate tapping noises. I'd go as far to say as it's three taps. It's, yeah, it's, it's it's very bad. It's like they're trying to artificially impersonate an echoey sound, like a slight the sound bouncing off the walls nearby or whatever. But they, and they do go it for, way too far. They do it for everything. No, yeah, everything sounds like it's actually in the Grand Canyon. Yes, and that's a problem. But it's just the foley, and, I, <laughs> and so that's what had me convinced that it couldn't possibly be us. And then I watched the Rift Tracks version, and it was in there too. <laughs> and we watched. The movie itself on iTunes, and then we watch Rift Tracks on Prime. So it's like, no, and, and it's only the Foley sounds, sounds that are done after the fact, not any of the dialogue or anything. So it's very weird, and it's the entire damn movie. to mention very distracting the house mother is completely dubbed well she's not long for this world it doesn't matter every time she speaks i'm just like what is happening well you know it did feel kind of like low budget 70s and 80s style thing where you know they didn't have the right sound equipment so they dubbed over every line you know it's or it's those sorts of it makes me feel like those sorts of movies, but it's just her. No one else is dubbed. And apparently that was because the actual actress's voice was not like intimidating enough. Then don't hire her. But she had the right look. She is told by the doctor that her son's condition is getting worse. Of course, we're not supposed to think it is her son's condition. Yeah, they use terms like the condition is getting worse or something like that, or it's getting worse or something. Condition is getting worse. You know it as well as I do. We both knew the risks. For 20 years, you've been blaming me for what happened. Don't you see? You're living in a fantasy world. You've got to forget the past. Live with what you have today. You've done a good job of forgetting. Well, I never will. If you try to stop me from living as I please, I'll see that what you did is remembered. But I don't think it could be any more obvious that it's her son. Yeah. And then he gives her this medallion to wear in case of an emergency. This should be worn at all times, not worn by anybody or put this on his wrist or neck or anything like that. Nope. Just the passive voice. This should be worn. Mm-hmm. I've got a new tag made. This must be worn at all times. Just in case there are any problems. There'll be no problems. Good day. It is horribly concealed, guys. <laughs> I guess that's what makes it really clear. There's a lot of passive voice when there usually isn't. Mm-hmm. And it's clear when you want to hide who the subject of your sentence is, you use the passive voice. You are correct. It's a little English lesson for you. We get to see where... <laughs> She's shooting a gun, and it's so weird. I wrote down, that gun has zero kick. Is it a pellet gun or an ornate pop gun? And then I wrote down, oh my god, the slide's not even moving. <laughs> I don't know what this is. It's a, a fake gun, gun that's... I don't know. What is the mechanism that's... It, it releases smoke. It is like the worst prop gun I've ever seen in a movie. That's not like supposed to be some sort of fake gun that doesn't really exist. 
But that gun's going to be really important soon. Yes, that gun is going to become very important. Vicky is firing it. She's really excited to fire it, and it's her boyfriend's gun. And she's suddenly very good yeah, at, at first, Yeah, the first thing she tries to shoot, she misses. And then everything after that, bang, well, bang, bang. The only bang. reason she missed was because her oh, boyfriend was all yeah. over mm-hmm. her. But it's, get off of me! But she's so excited to use the gun because she obviously doesn't have a chance to use it. So, like, how get good? Hey, some people are just good naturally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The house mother is about to find out that the girls plan to have their party there. Yeah. At the house. And she is not happy about it because they are supposed to have left already. Yeah, it is the 19th. That's the day they were supposed to get kicked out. But instead, they're there late at night uh, drinking beer and telling bad jokes. Is it champagne? They're in like beer steins, though. They're very upset because according to the bylaws, they can stay. Which, if that's true, then they should certainly take that up with their... Dean, because they're paying for that. Yeah. And being uh-huh. a sorority is not cheap. Yeah. So if I was a parent, I would be like, no, fuck you. I paid for this amount of time. It's through the weekend mm-hmm. is what they should be getting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they kind of drop it after that. They never they never talk about how nobody's challenged her authority. Mm-hmm. I mean, the movie does. Like the idea that they're allowed to stay. They do say, since we're allowed to stay, we're going to stay no matter what she says. Mm -hmm. Like, that's how all this gets kicked off. But I mean, like, the movie never talks about how every single year for 20 years, she just kicks them out and no one's ever challenged that before. I guess not. Yeah. I guess not. But it's June 19th. Mm Mm-hmm. But so we find out that she is planning on retiring this year. So does that mean that the house is going to That's the thing. She refers to it as her house. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel, I don't know. I don't know. I was a commuter. I drove to my college every day. I didn't live at my college, so I don't know. But I imagine that house mothers stay at the house for free, I don't imagine that they own the place and that they're letting the sorority use it. I think it's like, you know, when you're a property manager and you get an apartment for free because you're managing the property, like, that's what it seems like to me. Hmm. But I wouldn't know. I would, If you were in a sorority, let me know. Yes. Please let us know. But so, I guess because she's retiring... She's finally free to show her disdain for being a house mother. Yeah. Which, if that's true, then why did why did you do it for twenty years? She this nutso music is playing, and she is ripping her pictures apart. All the pictures that she and has, burning every them. Year. Uh-huh. that much then why did you do it and we see her smash her cane on the on one of the recent ones and so on her cane is a bird and the tail of that bird comes to a fine tapered point which is why it will be used as a weapon throughout this movie 
It will also be used in a close scene after this one where she will rip through a waterbed. Okay, tell me how this works. <laughs> so, after she gets mad at the girls and says, you cannot stay, and they're like, fuck it, we're going to stay anyway, uh-huh. regardless of what she says. Mm-hmm. That night, she goes up into the attic. By the way, she's really excited to retire. I don't know about the disdain thing, but she's really excited to retire because she's finally taking her son home and keeping him home. But it's like, do you own the house? Like it's a mansion. <laughs> anyway, maybe she does. Was it the same house as the one in the beginning? I thought it was. Yeah, I thought I that know. was the idea. Right, but she could have been a house mother that. I don't know. I don't know. It's not explained. But anyway, Vicky comes home with her boyfriend and there she says count to 20 and he does, but he doesn't finish. He finishes when he's on the top floor of the house and almost out <laughs> of room. And in that time, she changed into like lingerie or something and is lying on her bed. When he opens it up, we see it's a water bed. And she says the words. Look what daddy bought his little girl. The lingerie or the water bed? The water bed. Why would he buy her a water bed Right before she's supposed to move out of that house. Okay, I get why you're saying that, but here's the thing. We are definitely under the impression that this is the first time she has ever brought a boy in. Because they're not supposed to. That's against the rules. Yeah. And he is even surprised and shocked when she says, come inside. And even... That's fair. Even one of the other sorority sisters says, basically, shut up, Chris. Because she says... You deserved it. Why couldn't you have gone and fucked somewhere else? Yeah, that's fair. I'll allow it. So she probably had the waterbed for a while. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. But Mrs. Slater comes in and raises the cane and you think she's going to kill the dude or whatever. But nope. She slams it down into the waterbed next to them and tears it up. So all the water comes out and Vicky is furious you can't do that i'm gonna get you back if it's the last thing i do very much chris Chris. from carrie yep Mm -hmm. pissed that she doesn't get to go to the prom Uh uh-huh and we get that shut up chris moment Mm mm-hmm you deserved it Uh uh-huh can't you fuck somewhere else my waterbed got slashed to pieces and all i should do is joke about it i'm telling you guys she tried to kill me come on vicky you deserved it can't you fuck anywhere else and Look that is from, that is from the sorority sister that I know. She is in When Harry Met Sally as Helen, the ex-wife. She is the mother from All I Want for Christmas. Yes, this is Harley Jane Kozak playing Diane. What's the other thing we I know her from? Parenthood. Parenthood. She's also in arachnophobia, which we haven't seen in a long time, because Kelsey has arachnophobia. Yes. Vicky decides we should pull a sorority prank, to which the main girl... Okay, here's the thing, guys. These names are going to be impossible to know. Hardly anybody is called by their name in any way that makes it stick. Vicky is the only one they say a lot. Yeah, but Kathy or Catherine. Katie. 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 That's what I said earlier. But Katie is our main character. Yeah, so Katie says, wait a minute. Didn't we just graduate college? Aren't we supposed to be mature adults? And the girl from All I Want for Christmas is like, 
I don't think one little prank is going to make kids again. Uh-huh. Which actually, yeah, it is. But it's okay. <laughs> it's fine. Well, that's why they made it a very adult prank. Because Jesus. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, we don't hear what the prank is going to be. And in fact, we find out later that the prank is even bigger than what she tells the majority of the girls. So what? what is the prank ostensibly? The prank is supposed to be... That they have taken the cane from the house mother and put it out in the pool, forcing the house mother to get wet, just as she did to Vicky in her bed. But the pool is disgusting and gross. Because... They never cleaned it. Yeah, she says, I won't pay to have it cleaned if nobody uses it. But they're not going to use it if it's not clean, so that's the controversy there. Catch 22. Uh-huh. But anyway... The next step of that prank is to take out the gun that we saw earlier, which is not supposed to be loaded. She even shows it to the girls in a circle. It's not supposed to be loaded. And she is going to point it at her to scare her into going into the pool. All of this is going to plan until the house mother calls her bluff and says, I'm not getting in that pool. So how does she encourage her? She shoots her friend on accident. First, she shoots the lamppost, which really does get shot. Yeah, that's right. This is a big problem here. It's a huge problem. It really does get shot and then turns it on the house mom to force her to go in the water. And then her friend's like, this has gone too far. And then runs at her, shoots her in the leg. And you're like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I was just like, holy shit. And then is about to fire on the house mom. Does, except nothing happens. Okay. So those bullets were blanks. After the house mother has gotten into the water. Yes. After she's already gotten in the water. So the girl that gets shot in the leg is like, ha, ha, ha. She was in on it. Right? At least in on that portion. It was a blank. But what they've done. Well, let's continue on. So... When they're all laughing and chuckling it up or whatever, Mrs. Slater gets out of the pool with the cane and just whacks on Vicky, hits her really hard or whatever. And or I think it's Vicky. It's one of the girls. And she shoots her. And it appears that she is actually shot, although we never see a bullet wound. Right. Which maybe that's why they thought, oh, maybe it was a blank or something. I don't know. But she falls into the water. They pull her out, and she's dead. Now, for this to have happened, the way you load these guns into the clip is you put the last bullet in first. So there has to be some number of actual bullets that they put in first, and then a very specific number of blanks, and then one real bullet again, because she has to be able to shoot the lamp. And it's like, okay, I get that there's one real bullet and then blanks. Why are the other real bullets in there? You would have had to have put them in first and then put the blanks in in order for this to have ever happened. Also, because she just fell into a pool, that pool would be filled with blood. Yes. But it's not. No blood. Not a drop of blood. No blood. So you could argue that that's all the reasons why they thought she was still alive. But that (laughs) It's just bad filmmaking. It's just really (laughs) bad, guys. But so they're dealing with this whole this whole crazy situation. Don't forget, guys, the whole reason they're staying is to have a graduation party. And so the band has shown up. So they're like, ah, shit, we got to take care of this. 
Oh my god. This is the first time I noticed the blonde girl? Oh. Yeah. I wrote, this is what I wrote. That girl did not just see a woman die. <laughs> yeah, That Morgan, was the first thing I she's wrote. She's just like lounging on the grass by the pool when they tell her to stall the band because the band showed up for their party that night. Stall the band. She's just like, okay. She just kind of pops up and runs out to stall the band. And I guess she's supposed to be an idiot. Yes, they do make a joke about that. That's true. But like... It doesn't matter. I don't care if you're an idiot. An idiot that sees somebody die still yeah. saw somebody die. Right. And later on, she's going to have a terrible line reading. Ooh. Real bad. No good. No good. However, one of the sorority sisters says, <laughs> I love the way I love her delivery of it because her delivery of it makes it believable that people might not listen to her. But she's absolutely right, and I even said it before she did. She goes, wait, won't she float? Won't she float? And nobody responds. So what's their idea? What is the... No, they do respond. <laughs> we need to weigh her down with... Towels? Towels. Why are towels heavy? I don't know. Uh, what? <laughs> we talked about that when we saw the movie, but Rift Tracks also commented on it. I have an idea. Diane, run to the porch and get as many towels as you can find. Something to sink her with. Stevie, good. Towel. Mostly known for sinking. <laughs> yeah. There you go. I had to move the kettlebells to get to these towels. Damn it. I can't. The idea that towels will sink this body is absolutely ridiculous. Yes. But they need, a, they need to hide the body quickly, and that's the problem. So they don't have any other choice but to throw it in the murky pool and nobody will see it. It does, like, almost immediately pop back up to the surface after they leave. Yes. If they had waited a minute, they would have seen it. Uh-huh. I wrote down, why is the band British? They're not British. <laughs> they sounded British. They just have a sort of 80s pop new wave sound to them. They sound British. <laughs> I think they oh, are. Oh, oh, <laughs> One of those kind of sounds. Yes. I got down and said... There's a really bad joke here because here's the thing. This is a graduation party. So even if these girls are freshmen, they've been there for an entire year. They're no longer freshman idiots and yet they think that this one guy is hot because the joke is supposed to be oh they're freshmen and they don't know what they're doing but they've been here for a year so they do know what they're doing yeah uh-huh it's dumb there is an entire subplot of katie having a blind date yeah with what is it peter and he pops up a lot he also pops out of the picture a lot, but he also pops up a lot. Entirely pointless. Has zero effect on the story. Uh-huh. There's one moment that's a that's a sort of false scare. <laughs> one moment. Only for him to be knocked out and and then so they never have to think about him again. And once he's knocked out, he, they never do think about him again. He is literally just a random time filler. Uh-huh. Very strange. Something for her to worry about, have an obligation towards. 
I guess. Because she needs to be preoccupied Which with the is fact hilarious that they just killed their house Because mother. when he first walks up to her, he gives her an out. He says, hey, you know what? I can tell you're not into this. I'll just go. Uh-huh. And she's like, no. Yep. Stay. Uh-huh. Why? Yep. And you're thinking, okay, well, he has to do something. If she asks him to stay, he's got to have some point of being here. No. None. Who's the first one to die, Kelsey? A random party goer. Who wants to show his friend his favorite tree. Over here. My favorite tree in the whole world. But you gotta watch out for squirrels here. Because they can jump real high. Is that what he says? Yeah. I just wrote down cane through the neck of some random party goer. And a really bad dummy, too. Oh my gosh, it is bad. Yeah. Now, I read and I cannot substantiate that a lot of those sort of like, you know how there are all those bushes that people are killed in. They're never like wider shots of people dying outside of the house. Okay. It's because Mark Rossman filmed them like in his parents' backyard and added them in later. That would explain why this guy is just some rando that we've never seen before who dies for no reason. Because they just needed another kill. Yeah. They just needed something to be violent and fun and they didn't have the set anymore. So they just filmed it in his parents' backyard. But I cannot substantiate that. But it is very obvious that this guy was just an extra kill. Yes. Because they needed something else to happen. 100%. They don't even, I don't think they even find that body later. Nope. (laughs) He is never mentioned again. So then one of the chicks has to go up into the attic for some reason. I forget why. Oh shit, the pool lights. What if somebody turns them on? Or it's in the basement? No, it's got to be up in the attic because it's in the kids' room because the ball rolls to her. Or maybe the kid, maybe the guy's just down there. Yeah, something. I'd, somewhere very, where it's dark and she doesn't have a flashlight. It was very American <laughs> Horror Story because in the very first season, mm-hmm. the brother yeah. who's dead has that big ball that he throws at people sometimes. Sure, but nothing is American Horror Story. American Horror Story is very other things. That's a reference to something else. Well, American Horror Story, the first season, is mostly that other movie that we have seen, Twisted Nerve, which is very good. You should see it. But I don't know. It felt very, it it reminded me of that. I would want to compare the two balls next to each other. (laughs) Balls. Well, no, I guess that would make sense then, wouldn't it? Because it could be referencing this. Mm -hmm. I see what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Maybe. But here's the thing. They show us the hands here, and you can obviously tell it's, it's big man hands. Uh-huh. uh-huh. How is that making me think it's her? Yeah, it is just so obviously not her. <laughs> I'm going to bring this up because not that it's important in any way, but I want to see if any of our listeners know. Is there a thing? I think he called it a snowball. It was difficult to tell through his fake British accent. But the the band asks for the graduating ladies to yeah, come onto like the dance floor. Dance or something. He says it's yeah. a snowball dance, and both Chris and I were like, "What?" Yeah, it's like a Sadie Hawkins. But yeah, just the for one chicks dance. go and they like they, they select their man. They select and, and then the they pass them off to their friends, and then they select another person. Is that how it goes? That was so. Vicky oh, went so out. the dance floor ends up getting bigger and yes. bigger and bigger. It's snowballing. I get it. Is that a real thing? That I have do? no idea. <laughs> I didn't go to a lot of dances in college. Well, I didn't in college. <laughs> exactly. No. Exactly. But I went to a lot of dances in high school. I went to all not 
every dance, but I went to a lot of dances in high school and middle school. Did you school. go to Sadie Hawkins? Only my sophomore. No, I think I went both freshman and sophomore year. But we didn't have anything like a snowball. It's snowball dance. So, did we mention that the body is gone? So this is where the this is where it's important. While they're dancing, somebody screams. And they run out to cuz it's out by the pool. So all the girls run out and there's a girl who's about to get tossed into the pool by these two dickheads and all the sisters are like, no, stop. And they stop them and they go, there's a wet t-shirt contest inside. They're like, what? And so they drop her and then start to run inside. And then he's like, wait a minute. And then he pushes one of the sisters into the pool who starts freaking out. But they're yeah. laughing and they're like, oh my God, the dead body's in here. And then she gets out and they realize, wait a minute, the dead body's not in there. No, no. What about the lights is what they ask. Stevie says, oh shit, the lights. What if somebody turns on the lights? And that's why Stevie goes to shut off the power to the pool, and then she dies while she's going to do that. There you go. That's why. That is why she's off by herself. Yes. And the ball rolls toward her. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Because my next scene about the pool is the sea pig. Yes. So the lights are on for this. There are these three guys who are from a frat, assumedly, all wearing tidy whities including this very large man. And he's making a big deal about how he has to stretch before he goes in. And then his buddy just kicks him in. And then they see him out there and freak out. And they all run back out again. And he's out there. And he repeats a line he said earlier, which is, I'm a sea pig. And they're shocked. Not because he's in the water, but because the body is not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that line will come up in the remake. And it doesn't make any sense. No. We'll talk about it when we get there. <laughs> I have it in my notes. But yeah, so one of them is like points out, where is Stevie? Why did she leave? And they go, well, it's a good thing she did or we would have never known that the body wasn't there. This is when Morgan, the bad actress, is like really freaking out. Oh, yeah. But how do, how do we you know, know she is alive? Yeah, uh-huh. Or whatever the line is. How do you is. know she is alive? It's, it's so bad. a terrible reading. How do we know she is alive? What do you think? She floated out that pool? She's freaking out and she goes into the attic for some reason. When she opens it, the body falls out. Mrs. Slater's body falls out. And they're like, she well. She doesn't open it. She goes into wherever that thing is, the closet or something, and it, and it opens up out. on her. Yeah. We think it's the killer coming after her. Right. But it is, because in fact, the it body. it opens on her, and she looks up, and she screams, and then, yeah, we find out that it's the body. Of the house mother. Yeah, but it's all wrapped up again. So, could it have been somebody else? It's not, but they don't check, and that's why they're like, maybe that was Stevie. Because they never found Stevie. Mm. But anyway, they have found the body. The son had drug it up there to the attic to be with her. He saw the whole thing happen. And he wants to get his mother's body back, psycho style, and kill these women. She is later killed by being stabbed through the curtain because she's standing on her balcony looking at the jack-in-the-box that was left downstairs. Yeah, that's what I, that was what I wrote down. Whoever it is is drinking a whole hell of a lot, and they find a very fancy jack-in-the-box. That's Morgan. It looks like a big, like, um, you know, like a block, like letter blocks, 
except it has a crank on it and a jack in the box comes out and it's like this clown and it looks like really turns. creepy it spins mm-hmm. which it is not what jack in the box is doing but whatever yeah, yeah, it is not at all what... That's what I write down. I was like, a fancy jack-in-the-box. It's a music box. And it keeps her amused for a very long time. Yeah. So instead of cranking it, and then it pops, right? That's what a jack-in-the-box is supposed to do. This is one where you wind up like a music box, and it starts to play, and it pops open, and it spins just like a ballerina in a jewelry box. You know, it's like one of those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And she's just watching it and the music's playing and she's a class A imbecile. She's like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> and then she gets stabbed through her curtain and goes cross-eyed. <laughs> yes. It, it's, she's not a good actress. And that's why she's never done anything else, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. The fucking date, the... Blind Peter. date Peter, comes yeah. up, like follows her, follows the main chick, Katie, up into that room. Yeah, where they which, find the music box. But they don't find her, her. the chick's body yeah, uh-huh. who just died. But he's like, this is a neat room. And then he jumps on the little tricycle and he's like, this used to be one of my favorite things. Which I was like. Oh, is it you? This is the sun. And in fact, there's nothing wrong with him physically. It is purely mental. That's what I thought they were going to do. Nope. Nope. He's just a weird guy yep. who thinks that a kid's room is neat. Yep. This is a neat room. And thinks it's going to impress this blind date of his to ride on a tricycle in front of her. Okay. Just random filler shit. Yeah. So... After a long to-do, they get the body, the other sorority sisters, get the body and they into need to get a dumpster. Rid of it. Yes, so they put it in a dumpster so they can move the dumpster to the van. And they crash it into a parked cop car. More filler, because the cop gets all pissed at them and is almost going to open it up, but then he gets called away and tells them to take it back. Just more filler. More filler. Filler, filler, filler. The the girl that they sent to get the van ends up being killed in the van, but they never find the body. They're like, where the fuck did she go? Oh, well, fuck it. And Vicky and one of the other sorority sisters take the van and the body and they go to a cemetery so they can bury it in an open plot, just like a foot under the ground. Uh, so then... When a new casket's buried there, no one will ever find the body. Like, that's the idea. Yes. And they'll be scot-free. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't go that way. It doesn't. <laughs> so meanwhile, things are going on with Katie. She gets attacked by the killer in the bathroom, which is this cinder blocks painted over group bathroom, it which this mansion feel... obviously does not have. Yeah, it did not feel like it belonged in this particular sorority house. She runs out the door to the balcony, like the stairs, right? And to the railing and just drops her knife that she had. Oh, gosh. And, and, and just like lays there sobbing or whatever and like <sighs> freaking out. And she ends up finding the uh, medical alert tag. Yes. And but she's she, the killer's nowhere to be found. They don't know where the killer is. And this guy is fast. Yeah. She ends up sending Peter home 
he starts asking questions about Mrs. Slater. And she's like, you should go home. <laughs> it's late. I think you should go. And we you're just fi- like, why was he in this story? In a slightly subtle use of quality filmmaking, later on we'll find out what happens to Peter and why he shows back up. It makes sense. Because mm-hmm. uh, he will show back up. She calls the number thinking that it belonged to Mrs. Slater. And it's the doctor. Who confesses everything. Almost. <laughs> Almost. Uh, he's like... I don't think you're in any danger. Where is Mrs. Slater? I don't know. Okay, stay but there. Telling, she's telling him some of my friends are missing. He's like, I think Mrs. Slater has something to do with this. Yes. So he's going to show up and he's going to, he's he's going to, he's like, oh, I know where that house is. Of course he does. Because that's where he delivered the baby. He shows up and when he pulls up, we see Peter passed out on his steering wheel in his car. Oh, right. Yeah. And then he kind of looks up and then drops back down again. So he is passed out drunk, I guess, in his car in the front driveway when the doctor shows up. The whole party is gone. We never get a scene where everyone was kicked out. <laughs> They're just gone <laughs> at one point, whatever. And then he starts dealing with her. She's freaking out. She shows him the attic upstairs where all the toys are. She found a card that says, happy birthday to... Eric or whatever the son's name is. And he says explicitly she still celebrates his birthday every year like she has a normal living son. We're supposed to key in on the word living. He means the normal part. Mm-hmm. He is living. He's just not normal. Mm-hmm. Which is so, so stupid. stupid. Why would anyone even then include living in that phrase? Mm-hmm. It, but Whatever. And yeah, he confesses to basically everything. Experimental procedure. Uh And then he tells her that the police are not coming. Well, okay, so first, a a few things happen there. He calls the police, and he's like, we don't know where she is, uh, but the girls might be in danger. And that's when Katie remembers they went to the cemetery. She tells him, he tells the cops, meet us at the cemetery, and hangs up, and they go driving, and she confesses fucking everything to him. Either on the way there or on the way back, they're in the car. She's like, we killed her. We didn't mean it. Oh, God. They show up. They find the gravesite with the friends in it. The two friends who went to go bury. So Vicky's dead and the other friend's dead. And they find the body in the back of the van. And the doctor opens it up. And it's Mrs. Slater. And then that's when, you know, we find out, oh, she had a son. He's still alive. (laughs) As he ages, he starts getting more and more psychotic. And they go back to the house. And when they arrive, she's like, where the fuck are the cops? Which is almost like I asked that when when they left the cemetery. I'm like, wait a minute. Didn't you tell the cops to meet you there? (laughs) And then they arrive there and she's like, where are the cops? And he says, "Eh, here's the thing. I never called the cops. (laughs) Because I could lose my license and be arrested, so not happening. And he drugs her. He injects her with something. And this is when the movie gets a little bit cool. Just a little bit. Because she gets really weird. She's going to spend the rest of the movie, like, sweating, blinking, trying to see, and, like, really straining to focus, or else she's going to pass out. And that's really cool to see her on camera like that. Like, it's... She's up against something, like a physical obstacle that's not just the killer, and I like that. And that obstacle is making her vulnerable, and that's cool, and I like that. He even 
puts her in a chair and faces her towards the outside saying, you're going to be the bait. And he hides. And then she sees like she hallucinates people dancing that flash in and out. The walking stick is spinning, standing straight up on its own. And then Mrs. Slater appears holding it. And then all of her friends appear, the ones that are dead. And then they're like, join us, join us. Yes. And then they turn and walk away. It's your She's turn. losing her mind. And it is the coolest part of the movie. Yes. I wrote down. The coolest. Why is she seeing some weird ass shit? Yeah. And there's like this pink light that's shining on her, on her in this room the entire time, which I think is supposed to be diegetic, like from the party, but it's still on. And I loved that lighting. At some point, the doctor goes over a banister, right? Okay. So yes, first somebody's coming through the house, rattles the door that's locked and walks around and they're like, Oh, he's here. He's here. So the doctor hides behind the door and then somebody appears and then she shouts, no, Peter. And Peter walks in and he fucking shoots Peter with the tranquilizer gun. Oh, good. He's not dead. Your friend's fine. Yes. I don't want to hurt anybody. (laughs) But while he's attending to Peter, making sure he's okay and still alive and everything, she gets up and stumbles away and he chases after her, assuring her, I'm, I'm not trying to harm you. I just need to stop this boy just like you want me to. We're all on the same side here. I just refuse to call the cops, have tranquilized your date, and want you to be bait to a killer. And injected you with a set. Yes, exactly. Against your will. While he's chasing after her and she's hiding, that's when he gets attacked by the killer and goes over the railing dead. When he goes over the balcony, he gives a fantastic scream. Yes, it's going to go right here. <laughs> That's where I wrote down. Oh, he's wearing a mask. She looks over the banister. This is when we see him. And we see the dead body. And I'm like, why would they film that angle? There's some like decoration or a lamp or something that's covering the doctor's face <laughs> while he's lying dead there. And it cuts to her. And then she freaks out and it cuts back. And we see that something turn around. It's the killer who was standing there. And we get to see his face. And he is very obviously wearing a mask. Yes. But it's not diegetic. I thought it was. That mask is referenced nowhere, and he wears another mask later on. Which wouldn't have fit over that head. Exactly. (laughs) That's a problem. It's a big problem. But But it is a good reveal of the killer. That is the one... Oh, with the clown suit later on? Yes. No, I, I wrote that down. It is really cool. She goes up to the attic. She runs and she hides in the attic. He's not chasing after her. So she plays the music box. Don't forget that she sees her friend's head in a toilet. This is what I'm talking about. I have written down. She plays the the music box, jack-in-the-box hybrid thing at the top of the stairs up into the attic and then has like a gun or something or a knife or whatever that she's holding pointed there waiting for him to pop his head up. And while she's there trying to stay awake, trying to focus, she's blinking. She starts seeing her friends. And this is when the friends talk to her and is like, it's your turn and yada, yada, yada. Katie, it's all Vicky's fault. Katie, why don't you come, please? Katie, it's your turn. We're waiting for you. Katie, come on. We're waiting. Katie, come on. We're waiting. Katie, come on. 
She also sees the coward friend who ended up getting killed in the bathroom earlier, her head in the toilet and its eyes open up. Mm -hmm. And that's cool. (laughs) Where were these moments, this weirdness throughout the rest of the movie? (laughs) But she's waiting there the whole time. And there's this like Harlequin outfit and mask that we saw earlier that we saw in earlier. the film, and, and it, it was creepy then. And she reached out, and it's just a mask, uh-huh. and it's still there. It's still in the exact same position. Exact same position. And I can understand if you're like, it's going to move, it's going to move, it's going to move. I can understand, but I can also understand if you're like, we've already seen this. They've already said it's not a threat. We saw her run up here, you know, like, whatever. Because physically, this is impossible. Yes, he he was downstairs. She ran upstairs. He can't already be there. <laughs> but then the the mask looks up and she doesn't see it because she's focusing on the stairs. It's a great. It's a good great shot. Shot. Yes. Unfortunately, it's not possible. I wrote him being in the clown outfit was kind of dope. It was very cool, especially since they totally got me the first time. I thought somebody was going to be there and they weren't. So, how does the movie end, Kelsey? She does something that distracts him that I was like, why would that distract him? Oh, you said plays the music box, right? Or it's the ball. Like she rolls the ball and that, yeah, that happens. He looks at the ball and he's like, huh? It was very much like in Friday the 13th where, Jason, I'm your mom. Yes. Yeah. What? Uh, (laughs) So she rips- it's almost like the killer's looking at it like, I'm just so in shock that you think this, this would is distract me yeah, uh-huh. that it is distracting me. <laughs> but then she rips the head off a doll and there's a pin that they place those doll heads on old fashionedly. Obviously, they don't do that Very anymore. much a spike. Yeah. And then kills him with that. Falls down the stairs out of the attic onto the top floor. And she's like, ah, oh, he's dead. I wrote down, don't roll over, make sure that motherfucker is dead. And the camera kind of zooms in on him, his eyes open, and it's one of those sort of Skeletor, I'll be back moments where, okay, but, what? so he's alive. He's probably gonna like, kill her. This was an opportunity to, like, make more exciting stuff happen in your climax, let, the, let that not be over with, like when Michael Myers gets up the first time. You know what I mean? Like, it could have been like that. You wanted the movie to continue? Or not do that. He just opens his eyes and then credits. Well, because that's telling us he's going to go after her. I understand what they're doing. I understand that it's, oh, it's a cliffhanger. It's a stupid cliffhanger. There are tons of movies that do that that you like. Name one. Well, you just said Halloween. Don't you love at the end when he walks away? He gets away. There is a difference between getting away and just opens eyes, credits. Like it's trying to be a shocking ending and it wasn't shocking at all. What about, we would like open, what your, about eyes, Black open Christmas? your eyes, open your eyes, open your eyes. What about Black Christmas? The fact that he's still up there? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's interesting it's the though. same thing. This is cheap. Those aren't cheap. They didn't kill that guy and then all of a sudden... He's there. They never got him. Right. But that's a surprise to the audience. The audience didn't know that. Yeah. This isn't a surprise. It's just, oh, no. He's alive. And you can't make a sequel out of that. 
Like, what's he just going to get up and kill her? Your sequel's two minutes long? He's going to have a new set of sorority girls that move in. They're not going to let him stay there. There's been tons of murders. <laughs> well... <laughs> It's a crime scene. <laughs> Look, it's not good. It's not good. It's not good, which is a real bummer. But it's not bad either. It's not terrible. Although, going through it, I'm surprised at how much bad there is. Like, we forgot that chick even died in the bathroom. That's the reason she runs out of the bathroom freaking out. He's chasing after her. She goes into the bathroom, hides in one of the stalls, and then... Finds her friend's head and she freaks out and runs out. And that's where when she drops the knife, like it's just a lot of kind of nothing happening until she starts hallucinating when she's drugged. Mm -hmm. I'll also say the doctor looks like the dad from the critic. Okay. Even killer party guys. Even yeah, killer, party killer party at least has that face. It has the song. Yeah. Her, her angry orgasm face. Yep. <laughs> There's a possession. Yeah, she's like crawling on walls and shit like that. Yeah, this is nothing. Yep. This is... It's a whole lot of nothing. Prom night has fun dance scenes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Fucking, what's her name? Dancing it up? Jamie Lee. The killer is related to our main character in some way that's interesting. Instead of only being related to a character that's killed off in the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Just... Out of sheer curiosity, out of a thought exploration, why do I love Black Christmas and not this? What is this lacking? Because they're very similar. Well, because they spend the whole movie trying to get you to think that the killer is Mrs. Slater, mm -hmm. and it's really her son, we don't get to experience the killer ever in the entire movie. In, oh, in this Until one? the very end. Sorority row? Yeah. Yes. Okay. In that one, we know what the killer's doing. He's talking over the phone. He has a personality. We get to experience the killer and the killer's character. We don't get that ever in this movie until the very end, specifically because they're trying to convince you that it's somebody else. And if we ever saw the killer even once, we would know that it couldn't be them. So... And it helps that the actors are much better in Black Christmas. The characters are, well, the characters are more interesting. More interesting. I like the characters in this to an extent. Some of the characters are interesting They're and super compelling. flimsy in my mind. Okay, uh, Vicky is just Chris. Chris. Yeah. She's just an angry girl that's always gotten her way. Our main character has zero personality. Zero zero personality uh -huh. there's nothing there she like she i mean she's extremely like jennifer love hewitt in um i know, I know you did, did last summer, summer because yeah. she's the one that says i don't think we should do this but then doesn't do anything to stop it from happening yeah D says she's gonna call the police and doesn't because mm -hmm. she's weak-willed but like that's it and like you could say well then why do you love that movie, and I would say probably because I saw that when I was 12. So it has nostalgia. This has no nostalgia what for movie? me. Uh, Black Christmas? What I know what you did last summer. Oh, yeah. And even that at least has, you know, fun chase scenes and yes. shit. All the kills are very generic. Extremely. It's just the cane over and mm -hmm. over again. It's, it's never thrilling. No. I'm never like, oh, my God. Right, and 
Yeah, even like the uh, like the scene leading up to it. Like I said, there isn't really chasing. There's mm. just what is that? There's a noise. The one thing it has going for it is something they botched terribly, which is the the fact that you might think that the killer is Mrs. Slater. It is kind of an I know what you did last summer thing where they think they know who the killer is, but it turns out it's actually somebody completely different. Uh, and they've been basing their assumptions on somebody else entirely. Like, I know what you did last summer did that very successfully. It just might be a little bit so convoluted that that's not what you think of when you think of the movie. With this, it's like it's trying to make the core mystery something that is just so so obviously telegraphed from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And that is that is what they were banking on to be the yeah. crazy factor of this film, and it just doesn't work. And I get that you like the hallucinations, but we've seen that in, in movies, yes. and we've seen it better. Like I just said, Slaughter High. I fucking love his hallucinations in that movie. At the very, very end? I don't remember that. Where he thinks they're all talking to him? Oh, the killer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then he, like, falls in that pit. And we find out that, like, none of it really happened. Was it none of it? Well, we don't know. It's left to, yeah. is he going uh-huh. to do it? Is yeah, the yeah, that's right. Yes. Is that is that looking into the future, or is it just telling us what he's thinking? Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, that was an interesting one, because it was just weird. And this is... It's incredibly safe. It's not very inventive. It's not thrilling. It's not bad. It's just really not good. And think about that terrible movie, Happy New Year's, or Happy New Year, that terrible one where it's not even on New Year's. (laughs) And they go to that hotel, and she's seeing, they see things. They even see one of the guys walks into, like, a auditorium and they see people dancing and stuff and that's crazy. Oh, that one. Yeah, like the somebody that comes terrible, out terrible of the terrible movie did the, that Somebody better. comes out of a movie? Yes. Comes out of the screen? Yes. Yeah. Jesus, you're right. Yeah, just like if you're not going to be There's nothing thrilling special and compe- about this. Like yeah, be compelling in some way. And this just really isn't compelling in any way. So, with that in mind, what do you think it has on Rotten Tomatoes? There are 10 reviews. Oh, that's it. Uh-huh. So no consensus statement. I will say... But it needs to be a, a multiple of 10 now. 30. 50. Wow. Okay. Half liked it, or half generally positive, half generally negative. A Metacritic, though, based on only four reviews, of 50. <laughs> it's a 50-50 movie. Do you think that's overrated or underrated? Yeah, it's pretty good. I was going to say 50 is perfect. Pretty good. That's exactly what it is. It is a straight down the middle 50. Not good, not bad. Just exists. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry if you're a big fan of House on Sorority Row. That's a big bummer for me, guys, because I love slashers. Yeah. The question is, will it get any better with our next film, 2009's Sorority Row. Spoilers, it won't. (laughs) (laughs) Directed by Stuart Hendler, written by Josh Stolberg and Pete Goldfinger. What a cool last name. (laughs) I wonder if it's real. Uh, Based, obviously, on uh, Mark Rossman's original screenplay. Starring Brianna Evigan, who is the step-up chick. Rumor Willis, the redhead in this movie. And Carrie Fisher. 
Carrie Fisher. Yeah. Basically doing an impersonation of the chick, the the house mother from Black Christmas. Except a little bit more collected. Yes. Yeah. But she's not a lush. She's an whatever. alcoholic. And, yeah, but she's not, a, I wouldn't call her a lush. Like she's she, never, she's not slurring her speech or anything like that. But she ignores the things that go on yeah, in the sorority uh-huh. house. For every boy I kicked out, know that there were 10 I didn't. Yes. You know? Mark Rossman was an executive producer on this one because, of course, he was. They probably had to get his permission to do this. There's also Jamie Chung, who plays Claire. She was the uh, sex demon in Lovecraft Country. And she was Mulan in Once Upon a Time. Mm-hmm, I know her as Mulan. And Andy, the boyfriend of uh, Cassidy, Brianna Evigan, is Prince Philip from Once Upon a Time. He is also in Pretty Little Liars. And. He was Owen in Cry Wolf. Yes, yes, he was. I was sitting there trying. How do we know this guy? <laughs> pinpoint it. Oh my god, it was driving me nuts. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Cry underscore Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> that is Julian Morris. Look. Well, what first? What is Sorority Row about? A group of sorority girls try to play a prank, it goes poorly, and then a year later, shit goes south. The end of the school year. It is available with subscriptions to Fubo, DirecTV, Showtime, and AMC+. You can rent it for $4 and buy it for 8 digitally. Should people watch Sorority Row? Look, I you know, I know I just said that it doesn't get better. It's also pretty inoffensive. It's also, yeah, it's inoffensive, but also, I will give it this. It at least has a little bit of humor. Yes. Going on in it. It at least has sets. I mean, it it at least has like- Like it goes places. Energy on uh screen, you know? Like Like the party scenes in this movie, while sexist and gross- are at least more lively and uh-huh. energetic and colorful. And I will say, even though she doesn't have a lot going on in this movie, like she doesn't have a lot to work with, uh, Brianna Evigan, a pretty good final girl. Mm-hmm. I think she works. I, I feel like she should have been in more of these. Yeah. But I, I don't think this was popular enough for her to get those opportunities. So this movie will probably do a little bit better on the grading scale, but not by a lot. Yeah, there's some problems with this one, too. Yes. There's some big problems with this one. But, eh. There's just, there's more vibrance. There's more life in this one. Yeah, but it doesn't mean it's better. In the 80s one, the party scene is just kind of, you know, a group of people just kind of jumping around. And there's a band. You know, there's just not much to look at. And most of it's at night. And it's all matte and dark and... Oh, they go to hell in this movie. <laughs> Do you remember that, Kelsey? Inadvertently, yes, they go to hell in this movie. Oh, Jesus. It's there, fucking It hilarious. goes for this, like, epic ending, and it's just, <laughs> no. It is bad. No. <laughs> anyway, you don't need to see it. No, I don't think you need to see it. If you were going to choose between the two, if you were like... Maybe this one? I would probably watch this one. Yeah. Because this one, like I said, it's got at least a little bit of humor. At least I laughed a couple times. Yeah. 
You can take our advice or leave it. When we get back, we will talk about 2009's Sorority Row. You girls behave yourselves. <laughs> Meet the sexy sisters of Theta Pi. Oops, got to wear underwear. Their whole future is ahead of them. What the hell did you do? We murdered our sorority sister. Live with it. If they can just survive the night. Payback's hell. Sorority Row. Don't think I'm afraid of you. I run a house with 50 crazy. In theaters September 11th. All right, Kelsey, get us started. How does Sorority Row begin? With a way over-the-top sorority house. Yes. It is enormous, and the things they are doing at this party are very over-the-top, but at the same time, I'd like to point out that there was some movie we watched that started with a big, like, frat house party. Uh-huh. And it did kind of this zooming around the party, showing you all these different moments. And I remember thinking, and I said it on the show, there's not enough things going on. Was that Night of the Demons remake? Maybe. But there weren't enough things going on to warrant that kind of, like, epic party. And yeah. that was definitely here. Yes. So it's, uh, even though it seems way over the top, at least it gave reason for the way that they filmed it. Yes. Yeah. And the setting of this party is going to be interesting. They're going to do some cool things with it. And it will also have a moment where just everyone leaves and you're like, nope, don't believe it. What just happened? <laughs> but they do explain it and yes. they do show you that not everyone left. Yeah, but So they do, still. they at least take one step to try and make it seem more realistic than the other one, which was just suddenly everyone was gone. Yeah, when there's a raging party, which is already cool, why would everyone leave it to go to another party? But... I do understand that people do do that mass moves to a different location or whatever, but there's always in every scenario I've been in like this, there's always a contingent that stays around and the party turns into a kickback. Like that always happens. Not here, but that's okay. Minor, minor, minor thing. Right. We do see a couple making out. So that makes sense. A couple would yeah, definitely uh-huh. stay once everyone left. Absolutely. Yeah. And they do give a reason that because the the hot tub got all ruined because of they the put bubbles? all the bubbles in, yeah. which they even said earlier in the film. I don't think that's good for the Jets. <laughs> the bubbles are pretty cool. We'll talk about that later. There's a little mini bubble party out in the yard. Yes, but they use it for a stupid effect. I disagree. We'll you think there, it but... makes sense that they could loop a cable around her foot and no, she okay, wouldn't that's feel dumb. it or no? The idea of the bubbles being a threat and a threatening location to be in. That's what I really liked. Okay. But anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves. The party starts off, it's raging, right? Like, we don't, there's no, like, preamble or anything. It's just no. parties going on. Yes, this is just a big party. And Carrie Fisher, the house mother, is getting drunk in the kitchen. Uh-huh. Uh, just uh, ignoring the party. To give you an idea of how big this house is, the kitchen door is labeled that it's the kitchen, and it says staff only. Mm-hmm. Like, this house has a staff. <laughs> Look, I don't... It, it doesn't seem far-fetched to me that a super rich sorority house might have a kitchen staff. That is the point. This is, like, uber-rich, mm-hmm. you know? It also says that it's based on Seven Sisters. Yeah, I couldn't find... Seven Sisters is 
an alternate title for House on Sorority Row. Oh. But it's buried deep, deep, deep in the AKA on IMDb. Hmm. I couldn't verify that it ever it was ever released as Seven Sisters, or maybe just it's only based on the original script that was called Seven Sisters, and then they turned it into House on Sorority Row hmm. after they made a bunch of changes or something, and so it's based on the original script. I don't know. It seems like a weird thing. It's probably because, and this is entirely a guess, but knowing things we've learned about how these sorts of things work, Mark Rossman is an executive producer on this one, and he wrote and directed the original script. He probably doesn't own the rights to House on Sorority Row, but he probably does own the rights to his original script or remake rights or something like that. He just can't call it that. Mm. That might even be why this is only called Sorority Row and not House on Sorority Row. I don't know, mm-hmm. but that's my assumption. But so we meet our sorority sisters who are again graduating, but this is at the beginning of the year. Yeah, this is at the beginning of the year as opposed to the other one that starts at the very end. Right. Okay, so there are two parties. That's what I was trying to get in my head here, remembering. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's a party at the beginning of the year. Which is a pajama party. Where the thing happens. Yes. And then there's a the big party where the most of the movie happens at the end of the year. Eight months later at the graduation yeah. uh-huh. party. They take a while to actually tell you what the prank is. Kind of like they do in the original. It but- seems like the prank is just, we're going to watch our friend have sex while she's drugged. Like, all these people seem awful. Yes. It seems like a bizarre, terrible prank. And then you find out that the, bro- the the boyfriend gave her all the pills. He was only supposed to give her one. So to be clear, there are all these sorority sisters. One of them is Chugs, played by Margot Harshman. And her brother Garrett, played by Matt O'Leary, is dating one of the other sisters. But he cheated on this girl. Yes. So, so really what it is is it's a prank on him. Yes. Megan, the girl he's having sex with is going to pretend to is die. Going to pretend that she's dying because of the roofies. Like I don't the first prank itself was just like what the fuck? Yeah. It's and then when you find fucked. out what the prank is, you're still like what the fuck? Yeah. It's like oh no no no, they didn't actually give drugs to one of their sorority sisters boyfriends so he could rape her. Like that Oh, my God. Yeah. Then you find out that that's not what's really happening. No, no, no. The drugs weren't real. She's not actually drugged. She's just faking it so she can make him think that he killed her. Yes. (laughs) And they take it real far. They take it way too far. And there are a few sisters that don't know what's going on. Like, Cassidy doesn't know what's going on. And Ellie, Rumor Willis, the redhead, doesn't know what's going on either. But eventually, the main one... Which is named... Jessica. No, the ma- the main evil one. Yeah, Jessica, played by Leah Pipes. She will tell the other girls that this is a prank. Because they will all start to freak out when they think their friend's fucking dying. Yeah, uh-huh. So she tells them it is part of the prank. But they end up telling him, well, we've got to d- dispose of the body. They drive out to the middle of nowhere. The whole time she's lying there seemingly dead... I guess she can hold her breath really well. They're all laughing. Like, I'm like, how does he not pick up on well, he's that? he's panicking. I guess. But they take him out there and the prank goes even further because they're going to say, well, we've got to, 
chop the body chop up. Chop up the body so and, that nobody knows what happened. Yeah, and she's going to They're going to pretend float. that she drowned, so they've got to get all the, the air out of her lungs Otherwise, she's just going to float. That That's what it is. is Which is exactly what happened in the first one. Yeah, Did she float? Exactly. And they set up Megan's flip phone. Because not everyone she has a smartphone. She did that without anybody knowing. Yeah. And and lay it there to record the whole thing. And while they all go look for sharp rocks to dismember her, Garrett goes into the back of the car that they're in, the SUV, uh, grabs a tire iron, and just plunges it into her chest. Now, you might be wondering, what was their plan? Yeah, when were they going to reveal it to him? Yeah, th- we all are wondering that. There yeah. is no explanation, which is why, which is what's frustrating about this is like, wouldn't you want to have this all choreographed? Yeah, it's also weird that every single one of them leaves the body alone and goes off looking for rock. Like, I don't even believe that Cassidy wouldn't have stuck around. Yeah, do you not think gone that, looking for them? Yeah. Do you think that this is unbelievable? Yes. And then you leave the guy that thinks she's dead, that you've told you're going to dismember that her. That is panicking. And is panicking alone. Yeah, it is silly. That's, I mean, it's... I could, I could, there's a part of me that could imagine that this prank goes horribly wrong because they didn't think it through enough. I I do believe that that is possible, but it is very far-fetched. Random question. How does the prank go wrong in April Fool's? How did they kill the guy? The guy dies, but how? They used to call me Scoop. Now they call me Poop. <laughs> <laughs> God, that movie was so bad. Isn't he like impaled on a pipe or something like that? But how? Well, they're fucking with him. They pull his pants down or whatever, and his pants are around his ankles, and he falls and gets impaled or something like that. (laughs) It's a bad movie. April Fools! You're a fool! (laughs) Just rhyme fools with fool. Oh, God. Let's not think about that movie. (laughs) Anyway. Of course, our other girl, our real main girl. Cassidy. Cassidy is, of course, against throwing away the body and wants to call the cops. So what they do, she's she's going to call the cops. And what they do is they throw her down the shaft and they have wrapped her up in her jacket. Yes. And they say, we told you not to do it, but you did it. So they're saying, if you call the cops, we're going to tell them that you did it. Uh-huh. The really fucked up thing is that body will be found eventually. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and then it's going to come back to her. Like, it's not just a, you didn't just solve your immediate problem of of implicating her so she won't call the cops. You've now only implicated her so when the body is found, she will be accused and you're all scot-free. Like, that's, that's how extra fucked it is. Yes. And even Ellie is like, I'm sorry. But goes along with it. Because she's too scared and weak-willed. Yeah, she's very weak-willed. She'll get her moment, don't worry. Mm -hmm. Eight months later, we find out that she has left the sorority. She can't really leave the sorority because she's a legacy. She just doesn't spend all the time there. She doesn't sleep there. Yeah, uh uh-huh. And they're all going back because it's graduation. They're having an event there, like a tea. She has a new boyfriend. She does. The guy from Cry underscore Wolf. Andy, played by Julian Morris. And he comes from a very traditional family. Yes. Which will be important. He was the valedictorian. Yes. Yes, he is. 
But yeah, so Chugs is just this character who just drinks and drinks and drinks. And fucks and... And has, yeah, tons and tons of sex to the point where guys don't even want to have sex with her because she There's seems so gross. There's a freshman who is like, because she, oh, wait, you smell like vomit or whatever. That's just because I threw up earlier. And he's like, I don't, I don't think I want to do this. And then she's like, it's not my fault you're gay and just walks away. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I kind I'm like, I mean, I kind of... Like the character, like not as a person, but I like that it's a character. You taste like vomit. That's because I threw up before, but I ate a mint, so you're fine. Oops, I forgot to wear underwear. And it's really cold down there. Maybe you could warm it up for me. This whole thing's kind of grossing me out. Oh, whatever. Move it, loser. Not my fault you're gay. I mean, I get that she's probably become much worse since her friend died. Yes. <laughs> but still. And, and her brother went into an institute, we find out. Yeah, her brother's kind of gone off the deep end. Uh-huh. For, for... Gee, I wonder why. <laughs> yeah, not exactly questionable reasons. <laughs> Meanwhile, Ellie is having hallucinations of seeing Megan. She freaks out because she sees Megan, and it's just Megan's sister. Yes. In the crowd. Megan's sister, who explains that she will be rushing next year. Yes. And to get rid of her quickly, Jessica tries to tell her, I'll confirm you on Facebook. I'll personally make sure that you get into the house next year, but you can't come to the party tonight. Yeah, pre-pledging. You can't do that. Yeah. Which- It's against the bylaws. Later, she will say is not true. Uh Uh-huh. But also, as soon as she leaves- Jessica says she'll never get in with that outfit. Yeah. Meaning that she will not make sure that she gets in. Jessica is a total... Terrible human being. Yes. But does have a good moment at the end, but it's mostly for herself. Well, it's also because they... I mean, this movie kind of tries to do the whole, like, we're bad bitches sort of moment. And it's like... Because she's terrible throughout. Yes. And she will say... Horrible things. Awful, awful, awful. And to the other women. And it's like, you're really going to try to elevate her as like a girl power moment? Yeah. Like, mm, no. Yeah. She full on says, at one point, Ellie will walk away and Cassidy will say, what are we going to do about her next year when we're not around to take care of her? And Jessica's like, what do I care? She's not going to be around to help me with my term papers. She doesn't mean anything to me now. Yeah. It's very sad. Yep. But so they all receive a text message of the location where it took place. Allah, I know what you did last summer. Yeah, there's a, there's an, okay, so mm, we can get a little bit spoilery, right? Like we get, yeah, so there's an app that's like a pinning app. You can do it now, like find my friends, like those sorts of services. I know people who do that. I know when we do like family gatherings, and we're all trying to converge on the same place. I have family members that will all do that so we can like see where each other are and when we're going to arrive and that sort of thing. But this is something that Cassidy does only with Andy. And it happens enough where you're like, well, this is going to be a plot element. And it kind of ruins it a little bit. Because the only way it could be a plot element is if he's going to be a suspect right up until the very end. You know, and so it's like, well, then he's a finalist. It's kind of a bummer. They all think it is Chugs's boyfriend. 
And she explains that he has developed a weird sense of humor yeah. since the accident. Uh-huh. Is this a joke? Garrett, I'm gonna kill him. Garrett. Fuck, is this Chuck's? It's a joke. It's a really bad joke. This is beyond sick. Okay, why would Garrett do this? I can think of a reason. He's gone psycho and he wants to kill us all. Hey, he's not... Guys, look, I know my brother, okay? Yes, he's sort of lost his way, but I know him, okay? And look, he developed this weird sense of humor since the accident, and this is just his way of saying, oh, happy graduation? That's real funny. And Jessica will say to Cassidy, like, you know, you're just as much to blame as we are. And it's yeah. just like, no, I'm really not. I'm absolutely not. You I ensured didn't know that happening. I could not call the cops. Yeah, exactly. Cassidy will ask her boyfriend if he will come to the party that night. And he says he will, even though he hates everything about it, because he will do anything for her. Yeah. Anything. Uh-huh. So while everyone is getting ready for the party, Claire is putting bubbles inside the... Hot tub, which we said earlier, is going to be the reason that people end up leaving, or one of the reasons. Yeah. She decides to have sex with her boyfriend, who we've been kind of led to not like, and then we will really be led not to like after this. Yeah. But, like, up until this point, he just kind of seemed like a shitty boyfriend, but, uh -huh. like... He will get far, far worse after this. But the fact that she just wants to have sex with him in front of everyone is odd. But it's uh, it's under the bubbles. Nobody can I see. I get that. Yeah, uh-huh. It's still odd. Uh-huh. Chugs, meanwhile, is off to see her therapist because he gives her drugs very much like in Requiem for a Dream. Uh-huh. But she's far more inclined to do sexual favors than Jennifer Connelly was. Right. <laughs> I mean, she doesn't want to, but she's willing to. She shows up, and her therapist is already handcuffed to the bed from his previous session. And he's like, why let this go to waste? I'll give you drugs for just having sex with me now. And she goes to freshen up in the bathroom. Yes. And in that time... He is able to grab the key and stand up because he knows that someone else is in the house and yeah. it ends up being the murderer. But before he can do anything, the murderer throws the tire iron, Japanese star version of a tire iron. I wrote down <laughs> they chucked a tire iron like a throwing star. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And we'll find out later. It's pimped out. It is, but there's only one end that's like a blade. Oh, only one. Of the four. What? <laughs> that how was really you, lucky. How did you make sure that yeah, it landed uh -huh. on that one? Yeah, there, well, there's a lot of things about this killer that doesn't make sense. Yes. But also, the murderer is able to dispose of the body and get rid of all of the blood. Yeah, of the, yeah you assume there was blood. Yeah. Yes, before... Chugs can come back in and find what happened. All she sees is that he's not there. And then all of that deception was for nothing because then she just gets the bottle that she's been drinking from smashed through her face. I wrote down the bottle kill was actually kind of shocking. Oh. It did come out of nowhere. And it was, I mean, I, I just saw it the once. So maybe if I watched it again, it wouldn't be so. But like, it was pretty like, oh, oh my God. You know, it just happened. Yeah, it was pretty cool. 
now that I think about it, there might they might show us the pool of blood after, like yeah, that she know. couldn't that see she it from where see. the bed was. Yeah. But either way, why theatrically grab the body so that she can't see it? What's the point of that? Yeah. You're just gonna kill her. Meanwhile, Jessica is meeting up with her boyfriend's uh, father, who has political... He's a senator. Yes, and he wants to go even higher than that. He has higher aspirations. aspirations. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he has this conversation with her, explaining that... He doesn't like surprises. And how does he demonstrate that he doesn't like surprises, Kelsey? Do you know what he says he does... To prove just how serious he is when he says he doesn't like surprises? No. When he starts a new book, he reads the ending first. Oh. <laughs> Sir, um, I've been dreaming my whole life to marry someone like I don't her. like surprises. When I pick up a book, the first thing I do is read the last page. Really? You're going to steal that bit from when Harry met Sally? <laughs> Which Carrie Fisher was also in, by the way. When I buy a new book, I always read the last page first. That way, in case I die before I finish, I know how it ends. That, my friend, is a dark side. But in that one, it's because he's worried he's going to die. <laughs> he's not worried he's going to die. He not, yeah, anyway. But the point is, it's not clever because it's in one of the most famous movies of all time. Yes. And now you're using it as like an intimidation, oh, I'm so cool tactic? Yes. I, I, I had, I know it's so minor, but I had to write it down. I was just like, what? <laughs> what is this writer doing? <laughs> yeah, it's not great. He is very concerned that she is going to ruin his image. But what's interesting about this is that we find out that her boyfriend had every intention of marrying her. Yeah. Because uh -huh. that's, that's why he's having this conversation is he's like, look. My son plans to marry you, uh -huh. so we need to talk about this. And that's kind of surprising. Uh -huh. I would have thought he would have not, want, like, you know, I would have thought this was like a legally blonde situation. Uh -huh. But it's it's not, I guess. And what we also find out eventually, and the way that she finally confirms it, I will give it this, is kind of funny. We find out that she has told her boyfriend about what happened. Yeah. And if and if you told him and he told me, other people are going to find out. Right. But the reason I bring that up is even that wasn't enough to detract him. He he basically just was like, hey, have you got this handled? Yeah, you need to take care of this. And she said, I did take care of it. And he's like, okay. Like, that doesn't <laughs> even... That doesn't even worry him, mm -hmm. which is, it's very, that's a fascinating story. I think, I think there's a story to be told there. Yeah, they, there's only one more scene that has anything to do with this, although it does partially explain Jessica's motivations. Yes, absolutely. But I want to just say the way we are confirmed that, that she did tell her boyfriend is because Carrie Fisher will at some point have a shotgun that she just has to wave in her way and she goes, okay, fine, I told him. <laughs> yeah. And that's pretty funny. I wrote uh, at that moment, why on fucking earth would Jessica have just blurted that out? Because there's a gun and Carrie Fisher had already punched her at that point. Yeah, but like... That's not what she was asking about. Why would she have gone straight to that? <laughs> anyway. It's also right around here that we get the asshole Jessica moment where she says, what do I care about the about Ellie? And Ellie, it's just yeah, like, uh -huh. Jesus, you suck all around until uh -huh. the end. And I'm like, but you didn't earn it yet. Nope. 
this is also around the time when they're in when a couple of the girls are in a bathroom and there will yes. be a girl who will overhear what happened. Mm-hmm. And as soon as that happened, I said, oh, she's got to die now. Yeah, because she and heard then, about it. And then she did. And Chris was like, wait, why? And I was like, because now she knows about it. Yeah. So this is going to tell you something. It's going to narrow down the list of suspects here. It's somebody is not killing them because of what they did. This is where we're finding out that they're getting killed so that nobody else finds out about it. Yes, stop the spread. Yes. That's going to narrow down our list of suspects quite a bit. And we find out in the second kill scene. The third kill of this killer, but the second kill scene. One of them has to go down into the basement to, like, find... I don't remember. I don't remember what bullshit reason they give her. But she's down there, and for some reason she doesn't turn on the lights. And I'm like, there's... There's nothing wrong with the fuses. I remember that. I was yeah. like, there's nothing wrong. Why don't you turn the lights on? Are there no lights in the basement? And also, oh, I wrote down, how would she not know where everything is? Oh, there she was, I think it's Ellie, who was told to go looking for the vodka. And I'm like, you are a senior. Yeah. And you don't know where the vodka is? What? <laughs> but also, why the fuck would the senior be down there? She would have yeah. sent a freshman down there. But it's also that she can find the coat. The bloody coat is there. And this is when Ellie is going to her nervous breakdown mode is going to amplify after the text message they received earlier. Now there's this fuck. Mm-hmm. And it's only half the coat. By is the it? way, we don't learn that until the other half of the coat comes up. Are you serious? Yes. I did not know that. So she sees the coat. She freaks out, runs up and tells everybody. And they all suddenly realize that Chugs is nowhere to be found. Uh huh. Uh, Ellie is having, like you said, a total breakdown, and she's just like, we're all going to die. They think this is all Garrett. They think Garrett has gone nuts. Uh-huh. And also walking around, even though I don't think this really matters, there's people walking around with hoods. And you think that that's going to go somewhere, but it really doesn't. No, they're graduation hoods. I guess I've never seen a gown with a hood before. But whatever, I guess that's the state of things here. So it's completely normal that these, I guess, seniors are showing up at the party with these gowns with hoods on. But our killer wears a gown with a hood. So it could be any of them or the killer could come out of nowhere. And it, nope, they never, they never play on that. At one point, it's used for the effect of, I'm a naked lady. Oh, right. They're the app, that's the only time it's used <laughs> as a false scare, which wouldn't make sense because the only person who would know anything about the the robe is the audience. So it's not like it's it's an effective scare against the people in the movie. I don't know. It's stupid. I don't know. The chick who was having sex in the hot tub earlier with her douchebag boyfriend has just learned about this coat, and her douchebag boyfriend is like. Let's have sex again. And she's like, what? No. And he's like, why? You had sex with me today, earlier today. And she's like, I thought you could be bothered to read the situation, but clearly Uh you can't be. So she rejects him, to which he responds, I could be with anybody. Yep. So she goes, fine, then be with this and throws her drink in his face, which Uh is great. And she walks away. 
at which point we're going to get a crane shot where the camera is going to move over to where Ellie is in Uh the party. And while this is happening, a guy screams out. He... uh he is drinking from a beer bong, and when he finishes, he, he says, I'm a sea pig. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make a lot of sense. They just needed that line. Remember that line from the original? Why that particular line? I guess because it... I don't know. I guess it's, a, you know, it's a, oh, it's the line that people oh, remember. Oh, that's right, because there isn't a lot to remember from yeah, the yeah, House on well, Sorority Row. Uh-huh. But, yeah, it doesn't make any sense in context. It just stands out as the filmmakers, like, eh, no. eh, mm-hmm. like, elbowing you in the ribs. Remember that line from the original? And it's just, ugh, no. But so, after declaring that he could have any girl, he goes after Ellie, who, you know... Rejects the- him, good for her. Well, yeah, but, you know, obviously he thinks that she's going to be an easy lay because she's the quiet one. Uh-huh. So he goes in for her, and do you remember what she says to him? Something devastating. If you touch me again, I will fucking kill you. Yeah, uh-huh. And it is great, because uh-huh. up until this point, Ellie has had no backbone, uh-huh. has just been this whatever Jessica says I'll do, even uh-huh. though I don't actually like Jessica, even though Jessica treats me like shit. And so she finally sticks up for herself. Yep. And then he decides to go after freshman girls who are trying to get into the party, or girls who are going to be freshmen next year or something. But they need the the passes. alcohol bans, mm-hmm. the, the passes to get you in so you can drink and all of that, yeah. So he asks them to flash him to get in, which at first they say yes to, but then, like, all these things happen. And he thinks he sees his girlfriend in the window, which she's not there, and that's weird. The killer is. Why does he think it's his girlfriend? I don't think he does. I think he got pissed off at the dude for ruining the mood or whatever, remember? But very specifically, he oh, no. looks up into the window. No, no. Thinks he sees it's his girlfriend. No, what happened is he sees somebody outside, and when he goes to check who it is, like, hey, buddy, you're killing the mood or whatever. The girls come out of this tented area and we're like, we decided we don't want to do it. And he's like, oh, come on. And then he looks up in the window and he sees Ellie in the window. And he says to Ellie, this isn't anything we need to tell Claire. It's no big deal. Buddy, you graduated. That's awesome. We're all real impressed. However, you're blocking. Hey. Yeah. We're going to pass. No, the pass. Oh, you're just a little too creepy. Yeah, and you're not real hot either. That's not very nice. Thanks a lot, buddy. Ladies. Ellie, hey, we were just messing around. It's uh, nothing worth talking to Claire about. Right, Ellie? Ellie! That's what that interaction is. Whoever, he thinks it is somebody, and he runs up there to talk to that person. Uh-huh. It's not Ellie. It's not Claire. It is the killer who kills him in a dumbwaiter. Or like a shoot. I don't think it's actually a dumbwaiter. I think it's a shoot that goes down to the basement where you throw your laundry and shit. Hmm. Or trash. Or whatever. Hmm. Either way, like it's Like his a weird ass death. is sticking out of it, out of yeah. the shoot. Yeah. I, at first I wrote down... Why is Claire's dickhead ex killed? It seemed like it was pointless until I realized, oh, yeah, no, she he was told. Everyone told their boyfriends. Well, we don't ever get any confirmation. But when we find out who the killer is, the killer specifically says, even if he didn't know, he was a dick. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a great line. Yeah. And very true. Well, everybody that knew had to die. 
Claire, Chugs? You told Crenshaw, Jessica told Kyle, and I'm sure Claire told Mickey. You know, and even if she didn't, that guy really was a dick. I kind of like that the movie took the time to notice that. Like, we never actually confirmed whether or not he knew, but it doesn't really matter. Yeah. This is when Jessica and Cassidy will find him and will see the tire iron and put two and two together and start to figure things out, which is where Jessica says, it looks pimped out, right? And Cassidy decides that we need to go to where it happened. I think it's on the drive over when they tell Claire, by the way, we found your boyfriend dead. And I think she says, but why my boyfriend? And they're like, maybe because he was a dick. <laughs> I don't understand why Mickey. I don't know. Maybe because he was a dick. Again, nobody cares if you're an uh -huh. asshole if you die. So don't be a dick. But on the drive, they run into the sister. Yeah, who's just showing up. And then Jessica confronts her. And the sister, the sister of the of Megan, the girl who died, is like, I checked the bylaws and there's nothing that says I can't come. They have a confrontation and the sister calls Jessica like pathetic or whatever. And Jessica's like, oh, oh, my God. But they're on a time limit. Like they've been told they have to get to the place where Megan's body was within like 16 minutes or something like that. So she has to get back into the car huffing mad and then as they drive off back to this like quarry or whatever it was where they dropped Megan's body. And guess what? Garrett is there. Uh-huh. And they're like, oh my God, Garrett, you're fucking killing people. And cause he's covered in blood. We will find out later that it's his own blood cause he has slit his own wrist. Uh -huh. But we don't have any time to find that out because Jessica takes it upon herself to run him over. Uh-huh. She does think he's going to stab her friends. Yes. Totally, legitimately, he does look like he's going to do that. Whether or not he was going to, I don't know. Right. But then she proceeds to keep hitting him, even after he has yeah, been- Yeah, she hits him like twice, and it's like- Could have been- He was incapacitated the, after the first time. All of that is over. They end up going back to the house, where everyone has left because the- Hot tub overheated, and there is another party right down the lane at another sorority house, so everybody went there. Yep. Like we said, that does seem unrealistic. At least, at the very least, they had a couple making out on the couch, yeah. which made it feel at least a little more realistic. They find a note that says Theta Pi must die, which never goes anywhere. That's in the well. Right? Oh, uh, is it? Yeah, because when Cassidy goes down there and she falls, she shines the flashlight of her phone on the wall and it says that, yeah. Yeah, because she goes down there to check and see if the body's still there, and it's, and it's not. not. How do they get her back out if the thing breaks? They don't say. Okay. Mm-hmm. It also doesn't make sense that if the killer's motivations are what we later find them to be... Why they would leave any sort of message like Theta Pi must die. Agreed. Doesn't make any sense. If they were getting rid of the body that was down there, why would they leave extra evidence? Like, that's another thing that's the problem. Like, it... Yeah, anyway. So we're back at the party that is no longer a party. There's bubbles everywhere. They're all walking around and the music is thumping. And I said out loud, I was like, Jesus Christ, why is nobody turning off the music? And then Jessica shouts something to the same A little effect. while yeah. later, uh -huh. she goes, is no one going to turn off the music? Do I have to do everything myself? <laughs> <laughs> 
So, yes, there's bubbles everywhere. And I wrote down here, using the bubbles as a threat is kind of clever. How they ended up using it is stupid, because Claire is sent to turn off the jacuzzi because it's making the loud thumping noise or whatever, and she's walking through there, and then, like, she gets pulled down or whatever, or she's running away. She gets attacked while she's out there. Well, no, when she's first out there, nothing happens or some. or Well, we don't see anything. Yeah. But she goes to the, she tries to get into the house or something. She's already scared at that point. She's been attacked by that point. Yeah, I guess. But they somehow have wrapped a a cord around her her leg. leg, And she hasn't noticed. And then she gets pulled in. Well, because she's freaking out. She's running away. And this is when... Cassidy goes to the umbrella stand and pulls out a weapon and lunges into the soap to find whoever's attacking Claire so she can save her sister. Uh, And what is the object that she pulls from the umbrella stand, Kelsey? It is a cane. It's the cane from the original movie. Yeah. Who grabs an axe? Jessica at one point grabs an axe. Okay, Jessica grabs an axe. Yeah. Okay. This is when Carrie Fisher shows up. Yeah, because they're all freaking out. Claire's been killed by this point, and they're all in the bathroom. Oh, Jessica finds Megan's sister in her bed, in her underwear. We find out that, oh, if you were thinking that this girl is going to be the killer, no, really all she wanted was revenge on Jessica. Because she slept with her sister's boyfriend. Yes, and so now I slept with your boyfriend, ha! And that's all it was, and they get into a cat fight there at that moment. But so it's now, we have Ellie, we have Cassidy, we have Jessica, and we have Maggie. And this is when Carrie Fisher shows up with the shotgun. Because she's like, what the fuck is going on here? And she punches Jessica, and she says, <laughs> you deserve it. I know, I saw what you did to my house. Yeah, I know. I, I know what you did or whatever. And, and that's they, when Jessica spills the beans. We killed Megan. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and she's like, what? I meant what you did to my house. <laughs> Mrs. Crenshaw, it's me, Jessica. I know. You've had that coming for four years. I saw what you did. We didn't mean to kill Megan. What? Kill Megan. I was talking about trashing my house. You killed my sister? You fucking bitch! <laughs> Which is, un- it's an unbelievable interaction, but fine. It's fine. But now, Carrie Fisher gets to go into commando mode, which I wrote down, now that Carrie Fisher is all commando, it's time for her to die. Yep. Yep. So she is going to die. Not before she is a terrible shot. Yeah. She tries to shoot at the murderer and misses completely. Yep. But also at this time, Maggie is, overhears that they think that Megan is alive. So she's going to go out because she thinks the killer is her sister. Yeah. So she thinks she can help her sister, but we know it's not Megan. <laughs> Megan yeah. is dead. She gets attacked by the killer who throws a Molotov cocktail at her for no reason other <laughs> than this building needs to be on fire now. Yes. And so she's just in her underwear Surrounded by fire at this point and is stuck there for, like, most of the climax. (laughs) Carrie Fisher's death is super lame. She gets crushed to death by a table. Yeah, the shotgun jams or something, and 
the killer shoves her with the table and into now she's the out ba- of bullets. Yeah, is what uh-huh. I wrote because she wasted all her bullets. Shells. Oh, sorry. So Jessica's boyfriend kind of goes nuts. Yeah. Because at this point, he's super concerned that all these people know about what happened. And he kind of attacks Ellie, and he kind of attacks Jessica. But they end up all getting away from him, and he's yelling out, Honey, I really don't want to hurt you, but I told you this can't get out, kind of thing. So I was like, oh, okay, so he's the killer. That's At least it's interesting, it's different, yeah. but at least he has a strong motivation. I, I, I think it's here that Cassidy hits him with a fire extinguisher, and then they leave the axe that Jessica had with him. Well, yeah, because, okay, so he ends up coming after Cassidy, but it's not Cassidy that knocks him out. Is it Jessica? Or? It's Jessica. Yeah, okay. And this is kind of the moment where it's like, oh, okay, Jessica's turning around here. She's going to step up for her sisters. But not really. It's mainly because he cheated on her. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But it's cool that she killed her because, you know, it's still her prospects. It's still her hopeful future that she's looking forward to. Yeah. And she's willing to end that. But she does say, as long as you kept your dick in your pants, I would have done anything for you. But yep. couldn't do that. Couldn't be bothered. But then again, she did cheat on him, too. Sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> she did. Unless they weren't together at that time. I don't know. Which there's really no way to know. But yes, they leave the axe. Because I think at that point, they thought it was him. Yeah. They were like, I guess it must be him. And But yeah, he does come after them again with the axe and breaks down the door, which Chris yeah. really didn't like. Yeah, I wrote down, really? Now it's The Shining? Come on, movie. No. Who knows? Maybe they were doing it after the one from the 20s. <laughs> you don't know. No. <laughs> While they're in this bathroom hiding from him, because yes, he is chopping down the door to a bathroom with a fire axe. What do they find in the bathroom? Do you write it? Do you write it down? No. Yeah, I'm not surprised because it's fucking thrown away. They go into the bathroom and they find Megan's decomposing corpse in the shower to which either Jessica or Cassidy says, oh, she looks terrible. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, she looks terrible. Really? A joke? And then we never see the body ever again. That's why I wrote, and I didn't understand this note, that's why I wrote, is that Megan? <laughs> yeah. They, all they say is, oh, she looks terrible. I don't even think they say her name, but the, maybe they do. Like, it's just completely thrown away. Wow. And why it would be here right now in this moment, especially with what we know the motive of the killer to be, makes zero sense. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But... He gets in and he's coming after Cassidy. And just as he's about to kill Cassidy, he says, Guess your boyfriend isn't here to save you. <laughs> Guess your boyfriend's not here to protect you, huh? Guess again. Andy? Yep. And Kyle is attacked by Andy. Because, again, this is the level of writing quality that we're dealing uh-huh. with. Uh-huh. But what do we discover? We discover that effectively the same motivation as we were just ascribing to Kyle is Andy's motivation, and he's the real killer the whole time. He needs to look out for himself as valedictorian and his future wife, Cassie, and 
everyone else needs to die because they would all spill the beans because half of them already have. Now, who else hears him give this speech? Is it Ellie or Maggie? It's Jessica. Yeah, because Jessica's in the bathroom. Right. Yeah. So Jessica. Oh, Jessica. Yes. Yeah. Goes into survival mode. Uh Uh-huh. And starts to say, this is fixable. This is all okay. We can pin all of this on my boyfriend. Yeah. This is fine because she's very quickly realizing if that's what he's been doing, I'm next. Mm Mm-hmm. And she's very correct because to shut her up, he throws the tire iron into her skull. Yep. Which he does a lot. There's a lot of that exact Mm -hmm. same death going on. We get a better look at the tire iron here. I wrote, after I wrote, this motive is real fucking weak. And is the theme of this movie really hoes before bros? Hoes before bros. After what they did to Megan and Cassie, like... Because they keep going back to that. And all the boyfriends are all terrible now by this point. And so it's like they're saying hoes before bros. But anyway, that's a side message. I wrote, Jesus, that tire iron is fucking ridiculous. Is one of the arms a spoon? And then I wrote down, is one a fork? Okay, one is definitely a knife. So now we have a knife, fork, and a spoon? I don't think so. Okay, no. It's not a spoon, but it is flat with a rounded edge, and it's opposite the knife. So it looks like just half of this tire iron is just like one large table knife. (laughs) It's so stupid. (laughs) And then when he goes after these girls again, he puts his robe back on. Yep. I wrote, did he put his robe back on? For the theatricality. Why? Did they think the audience wouldn't know what was going on if they couldn't recognize the villain at a glance? He needed to be more threatening. Yeah, I guess. I guess. But do you remember how he found out about it? Because she didn't tell. Ellie told him. Yeah. And now- Does that make a lot of sense? Well, that's what he has to- Because I guess she's freaking out or whatever. I don't know. But- like, what's the timeline for that? When did she tell him? I don't know. But he knows now. And because it was Ellie that told him, he tells Cassie that, like, oh, now we need to kill Ellie. Because, I mean, she told me. She'll tell somebody else. Come on, let's do it together. It'll be like a bonding experience or whatever. Yes, and it's the last one. So we'll get this over with, and then we can just move on with our lives. Yeah. She ends up getting away from him somehow, and remember, the house is on fire, everybody, oh, yeah. uh-huh. and Maggie's just been stuck in a room that, you know, somehow the fire is all around her, but otherwise she's her okay. Yet. Yeah. And so it's up to Cassidy to get Maggie out of there, and she does, but this is when her boyfriend has put his robe back on oh, and shows God. back up. Yep. And so he's going to attack uh, at least at least Maggie, but maybe... Cassidy as well. I forget what the joke is here, but it's something about farewell, asshole. I think there's some sort of joke there. Something. uh, Oh, because valedictorian, it means like farewell or whatever. Farewell address or. Right. Yeah. And so that's what he says to her. Do you know what it means? Do you know where that word valedictorian comes from? It's from the Latin. Valedicere. To say farewell. To the bitches. To pie. But anyway, 
he's attacking Cassidy and she almost falls down this hole that's opened up in the floor from the fire from the fire and the the bottom floor is nothing but fire you can't see anything else and it's all CG so it really doesn't look like there's anything else there exactly and then while he's going to kill Cassidy here instead Ellie shows up with the shotgun I think that Carrie Fisher had or something like that and attacks him and I wrote good for Ellie well, as this year's valedictorian, no! I guess it's time to say farewell, asshole. Good for her. She got her moment here, and he ends up falling into this pit. And I wrote, "Did he fall down to hell?" Yeah, did like the, the way they framed it and the way it looked. It's like he's sound, falling into hell, and and like he disappears into the flames. Yes, it's, it's very silly. So now it reminded me of um, End of Days. Yeah, <laughs> yep. So now Maggie, Ellie, and Cassidy are left alive. And they get a badass bitches slow mo walk out of the house while it's on fire, and it's like, so nope, lame. it's not working, not not working, nope. It's super <laughs> super lame. And I wrote down, okay, what now? How do you explain this? I know there's a fire that's going to consume a lot of this, but there's going to be questions. Apparently not, because we get a 15 months later timestamp. Yep, to show us that Maggie. Is now part of Theta Pi. Uh-huh. And that somehow he survived that and is the gardener now. No, Garrett did. How do you know it was Garrett? Because we see his slashed wrists. Oh. But so now Garrett's crazy? Yeah, he might want to get revenge now, too. On Maggie? I guess. I don't know, but he's the gardener there now. I definitely thought that was supposed to be, what's his name? Andy? Yeah. Nah, yeah. I don't think it really matters. Either way, it's kind of dumb. It is. It's cheap sequel bait. Yeah. And there's not much of a sequel to be had here. Nobody wants to see the sequel. Yep, nope. So, Kelsey, what do you think Sorority Row had on Rotten Tomatoes? Well, the first one got a 50, but that was because there's only 10 people. Um, I guess I'll say, let's say a 40. 25. Oh. Though it's slick and stylish, Sorority Row offers nothing new to the slasher genre and misses the mark both in its attempts at humor and thrills. Eh, it made me laugh a couple times. It had a 24 on Metacritic. So even the average rating is 24. That is Terrible. Yeah. If you think about it, that's an average rating of one out of four stars. Actually, slightly lower than that. You know, I think I said at the beginning of this that I thought I was probably going to give it a little bit of a higher score than I did for the original, but I think it's just going to get the same. I think I'm just going to go 50 as well because it did have things I did enjoy. It did have moments of humor and and it it, it was well shot. What do you want from me? It was well shot. But there was just so much bad going through yeah. it a second time. Like, ooh, showed me how bad it was. Which I kind of felt the same thing about Sor- the house on Sorority Row. Like, when I walked away, I was like, ah. And then we talked about it, and I was like, it's worse than I remembered, but it's still not terrible. So 50 for both. And, you know, Brianna Evigan, I wrote down, she's a pretty good final girl. She's fine. I thought, I, I'm kind of bummed that we didn't see her in more stuff like this. I thought she could have been pretty good. 
but not much else in this vein. I, I, th- I think I didn't like it as much. I think where the original really fell down was that it, it wasn't interesting enough and it's big twist was telegraphed so many times. So it's basically what it didn't do well, not really what it did that was bad. So, I mean, that's why I felt it was a 50. This one did a lot more stuff that was just like, I actively disliked. Um, But there's a lot of stuff I did too. I'll give it a 45. That's not quite as good as the original. Okay. But yeah, not great. No. No. That was a big bummer. Yeah. Maybe next week. That is our double feature. The late night double feature show. On 1982's The House on Sorority Row and 2009's Sorority Row. Happy graduation to anybody who is graduating this year. What are we watching next week? Next week is another recommendation week. And this one is coming to us from Nick. So thank you, Nick. Yes. Thank you, Nick. He asked us to do Motel Hell, which we have never seen. From what I know, it is a comedy. It is a horror comedy. Okay. That was also recommended to us by A.G. Soto uh, on Twitter. Oh, okay. Yeah. So thank you both. And Nick suggested that we watch Motel Hell with Identity, which I find interesting because Identity, I get it. They both take place place in a motel. Uh-huh. In the middle of nowhere. I get that connection, but Identity is a very serious movie, so <laughs> that's funny to me. But thank you, Nick. And that's what we'll be watching. Chris loves Identity, so I know he's I excited. I do. I know it's stupid, but I like it. I'm sorry. I want to see it again. I've I'm... not seen it in total since I've seen it in theaters. Yeah. And I thought it was stupid then, but I'd be willing to watch it again. I thought it was fun when I saw it, but it's been... I don't know, maybe 15 years since I've seen it. So we'll see. Yeah, we will see. I've been really looking forward to seeing it again. Uh, We also want to say that we're sorry to Tron1686 that you you recommended that we watch Tremors and we did not mention that before. Oh, well, thank you, Tron. I'm so sorry. Thank you, Tron. All right, that is next week. Until then, you can always find us at our website, podcemetery.com, or follow us on Twitter at podcemetery. There'll be a lot of stuff going up there for this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to us in your podcatcher of choice and rate and review. A five-star written review is the biggest help you can give us there. Even bigger than that is sharing us with your friends, and even bigger than that is listening in the GD first place. Thank you all very, very much. We love each and every one of you. Until next week, I've been Chris. I've been Kelsey. And this has been Pod Cemetery. But before we go, Kelsey, any last words? What are sisters for? To the sacred place To see the dream I can't escape Smolders and fangs that are picking up bones Spirits moaning among the tombstones <laughs>
This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by Collegiate Pool Cleaners. Just get your pool cleaned. What are you trying to do? Hide a dead body? It's a prank gone wrong. This is Kate McNeil. Do we know her from something, Kelsey? I know a Katie McNeil. You do actually know a Katie McNeil. <laughs> what was your question? <laughs> do you know her from something? I thought you knew her from something. I thought she was somebody else, I think. No, there is somebody that you knew. Never mind. Okay. Look what daddy bought his little girl. But so they decide, well, Chris, not Chris, Vicky decides. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Oh, oh, oh. I'm a sea pig. Balls. Uh, he, sh she, sh she, sh fuck. She shows him the attic upstairs. Jesus. Remember when we said this one should be a quick one? Mm -hmm. Well, you. An hour and 41 minutes. You had way more to say than I did. Well, yeah, but I was also responsible for getting us through that back half of the movie. <laughs> you were prepared.